0: hello good morning good to see everyone here this morning our sermon passage is one verse today mark 10 verse 45 for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many this is the word of the lord thanks be to god Let me pray. Father, we are so thankful for your word that it is a light into our feet and a lamp into our path. And Father, we uh, lamp into our feet and a light into our path, Lord. Thank you that it is infallible, inerrant, authoritative. And Lord, we pray you would speak through your word today. Speak through me, Lord, a crooked stick to point um, your people to the way, the truth, and life. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, if I've not had a chance to meet you, my name is Brian. MacDonald and I'm actually, believe it or not, an assistant pastor here. You don't see me uh, much because I am um, serving in Bartow, uh, planting uh, your daughter church, Oak City Church. And so uh, the Lord is blessing us; He's growing us. We're excited to uh, see what the Lord is doing. Uh, we're actually installing an assistant pastor, which is shocking for a church plant that hasn't even started uh, Sunday morning services uh part it's a part-time uh role but he uh taylor clark some of you have had a chance to meet him he leads our music and helps with preaching so we're installing him tonight and uh having a potluck so i'm going to invite you to come and join us uh we'd love to see you in bartow at first baptist church in bartow on church street and uh, if you'd like to know more about that come and see me after the service All right, so we have one verse uh, today, and we're going back in our study in Mark. We've been going through the Gospel of Mark, but we're going back to a verse that I think is a hinge verse. It's a pivotal verse. It's a verse that really ties together the first part of Mark and the second part of Mark. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, I think we all know the importance of mission, the importance of mission, whether you're in the military, whether you're in the corporate world or in the church, that if you don't know your mission, then you don't know how to do the work. And so uh, Jeff Bezos uh, said this, uh, CEO, founder of, of Amazon. He said, no matter what your mission is, ask yourself the more important question. Is my mission improving the world? Are you sure about it? He said, seek to disconfirm that all the time. And if you can, then you need to change your mission. Well this verse is all about the mission of Jesus. And the mission of Jesus didn't just improve the world, it transformed the world. It transforms us, it transforms the whole world. And Jesus never changed his mission, he never pivoted from his mission. He was always on mission. That he came not to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. Really, that sums up the first part of the Gospel of Mark. We've seen in the, in the first part of the Gospel of Mark that Jesus is constantly serving. He's constantly healing. He's constantly exercising demons. He's constantly resurrecting the dead. He's constantly healing the sick. He's serving. He's serving and serving. And Even when he was tired, like we are this morning, like I'm tired, even though I'm trying not to be, even when Jesus was tired and exhausted and he went to retreat to pray, people would come to him. And I never saw Jesus say, no, I'm sorry, I'm too tired. No, he constantly loved and he served and he healed. And that's so humbling for me in ministry. But the greatest way Jesus came to serve was to give his life, to give his life as a ransom for many. What do you think about when you hear the word ransom? You probably think about a ransom note, right? Old school notes cutting up individual uh, letters, right, and pasting it, right? I thought about putting a slide up there, that verse, with all those kind of random little pictures and, and, and letters. We think about ransom notes. We think about uh, the movies. We think about maybe the movie Ransom with Mel, Mel Gibson in 1996. Historically, maybe you think about the Charles Lindbergh baby Ransom, or the uh, ransom that was demanded for Patty Hearst. A lot of those images pop in our head when we think of the word ransom. But if we're alive and awake, we realize that today, in this day and age, the, the ransom that we see and hear about more is through our technology, right? It's the cyber uh, criminals, it's ransomware, right? It's those cyber uh, criminals who are seeking to, to get money by infiltrating. The computer systems of cities and towns and corporations to steal information and demand money or they, uh, uh, you know, delete files or they share uh, critical information. And maybe some of us have received those kind of emails or texts saying, give me this amount of money through Bitcoin or I'm going to expose you. These numbers are a little bit dated, but these types of attacks quadrupled. From two thousand and fifteen to two thousand and sixteen, with an average of four thousand attacks a day, the federal authorities discourage people from 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 giving in because often these files are never recovered. Nevertheless, most cities and towns and corporations um, give in and they pay because they don't want to lose that valuable information. Some two hundred and nine million dollars in ransomware payments have been made so That is the world that we live in today. What do you think about when you hear the word ransom? Well, what's with inherent within the concept of ransom are two things. Something or someone is being held captive, and a payment is demanded to release that thing or that person. And this is true for us as individuals, sinners, who are being held captive who need to be ransomed. And so as we think about this idea of ransom, I want to to lay out these points in sort of forms of a question. The first one would, would be this, and these are real brief. Why a ransom? Secondly, to whom was the ransom paid? Thirdly, how was the ransom paid? And fourthly, for whom was the ransom paid? To whom was the ransom paid and for whom was the ransom paid? So why a ransom? Well, the word ransom here in the Greek is Lutron. It's it's the price of a release, often used uh, for money and, and being paid to free slaves. Jesus says in John 8, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So every single one of us in this world is a slave to sin because every single one of us practices sin. We need to be ransomed. We need to be set free. Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand therefore and do not again give in to the yoke and submit to the yoke of slavery. So why a ransom? Because we are sinners and we are enslaved to sin. Second question, to whom was the ransom paid? You know, in the movies, usually that person's the bad guy. Or we think of these cyber criminals, obviously, are are the bad guy. And so, we might immediately go to and think, well, it's Satan. That's who's being paid off to release us. And we we look at uh, verses like 2 Timothy 2, where it talks about us being in the snare of the devil, being captured by him. But there's nowhere in the Bible, there's no thought in the Bible that Satan is the one that's paid off to let sinners be free and be saved. Matter of fact, Satan has no desire to set you free, and he won't set you free. He wouldn't. even If he had the power, he would not do that because what happened to Satan on the cross was not a payment, but it was defeat. It was defeat, right? There was no negotiation between Jesus and Satan trying to set us free. No, Jesus is powerful, all-powerful. Satan has no uh, power that is greater than Jesus. There's no negotiation there. It was defeat and not payment. So if it's not Satan, then then who would it be? Well, if we were, the Scripture doesn't really uh, directly address that. But if you start to think through the reality of the gospel, we we realize that ultimately God is the one. God is the one who is paid. God is the one who Jesus, the Father, Jesus made the sacrifice on behalf of us to, to uh, absorb the wrath that we all deserved, right? The whole idea of a substitute to die on our behalf is because we have sinned against who? We have sinned against God. We have sinned against God. We are all sinners. We need to be ransomed because we have sinned against God, and we have fallen short of his glory. If we go back to the beginning of the Bible, it's, it's, it's all about Adam and Eve in the garden, And God said, you can eat of any of these trees except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve decided that they were going to rebel against God and do what they wanted. They wanted to live for themselves. And God said, if you eat of this, you today will surely die. And they didn't physically die in that moment, but they spiritually died. And at that point, they were now living in judgment of God. They were condemned by God because of their sin. And they were cast out. And by that point, we all... Became slaves to sin because we rebelled and sinned and fell short of the law and the glory of God. Paul says that the wages of sin is death. The payment of our sin was separation from God, and we all were under the judgment of God. And that's why Jesus Christ came. He came to ransom us from the punishment and the condemnation that our sin brought between us and God. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 5.2, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Our Hebrews 9.14 says, Christ offered himself without a blemish to God, to the Father. The Father who is God, who is holy, who cannot tolerate sin, who is creator, who is Lord And man who is sinful, and rebelled against the holiness and the authority of God, that sin must be paid for. In order for us to be set free, someone has to make the payment, and that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. Paul says, there is therefore no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, we need to be set free from the condemnation, from the judgment that a holy God has upon sin. That's the gospel. The ultimate captivity from which we must be released is from the final judgment of God. And so, why a ransom? To whom was the ransom paid? And how was this ransom paid? Lots of cross-references here since we just have one, one verse. How was the ransom paid? Well, it was through the blood of Christ. It was through Christ, through his life, and death, and resurrection. Listen to what First Peter has to say about this idea of ransom and, and, and how was it paid. First 1 Peter 1.18 says, You were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, Adam and Eve, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. I love what John Piper says in his 50 Reasons Why Christ Had to Die. He says this about that verse. He says, Since the new birth is the gift of eternal life, not just new life, the ransom price has to be imperishable. Okay, I said again. Since the new birth is a gift of eternal life and not just new life, the ransom price has to be imperishable. It can't be silver, it can't be gold. And the blood of Christ is infinitely valuable and therefore can never lose its ransoming power. So if you're in Christ and you're trusting in Christ, you have been ransomed with the imperishable blood of Jesus, that it's infinitely valuable, and you can never lose that. You can never lose your salvation. You can never lose that. And, and we struggle sometimes. We think that, have I jeopardized my salvation? Have I, have I been so bad that, that Christ will, will, will no longer love me anymore? No, his love is imperishable. It's infinitely valuable. And you can never be snatched out of the hands of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. It has to be the imperishable blood of Christ. Not even Jeff Bezos' 112 billion dollars. Could, could, could ransom you. There's not enough money in the world that could ransom you from the, from the judgment and the holiness and the condemnation that God has against sin. It has to be the imperishable blood of Christ. No, no money in the world has ultimate value, as we were even talking about before, where moth and rust destroy And what I love about about this idea of ransom, because you think about again in in history or the movies or even even in our world today with uh, cyber uh, uh, crime and and ransomware, that there often there is this back and forth between the the person who's being demanded to to pay and the person who is who is is holding captive that that thing, and and there's there's usually this this uh, um, lack of desire that person pays out they don't want to pay. And again, the government says don't pay. There's uh, about 90, 90% of the people don't pay, but, but that 10% do. But what's great about the gospel is that Jesus freely pays. Jesus freely pays. Even next week when we look in the, in the garden of Gethsemane where he is praying, and he's saying, is there any other way? He's not saying, I don't want to die for them. He's not saying that I don't want to pay that price. But he's saying, is there any other way that we can... Redeem them, that we can set them free. That Jesus wants to pay. He wants to ransom us. No one coerces Jesus into ransoming us and paying for our freedom. Jesus himself says, John 10, 18, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. See, Jesus freely lays down his life on his own accord. He's not, his arm's not twisted, he's not coerced, he's not forced. He freely chooses to rescue us and to redeem us and free us from our captivity to to sin. For whom was the ransom paid? What's this verse say? For the many. For the many. This is the church. This is God's people. This is all those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. John will say in Revelation, this is all nations. This is all peoples. Listen to what John says in Revelation 5, 9. It says, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation." One uh, scholar said this, Christ died to save a great diversity of peoples. Sin is no respecter of cultures. All people have sinned. Every race and culture needs to be reconciled to God. And as the disease of sin is global, so the remedy is global. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, all those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So just some final applications here. If you're here today and you're not trusted in Christ, the Holy Spirit has to open your eyes. The Holy Spirit has to give you a, a, a new heart. But, I, but I'm crying out to you now to, to, for you to realize that you are a slave to sin and that you are, you are under the wrath and the condemnation of God and that when you die, you will spend eternity in hell. That every single one of us has an eternal soul that will either spend eternity in hell or eternity with Christ. And there is a judgment day. And there is a resurrection. And all of us will will rise from the dead. But some will rise to glory in the presence of Christ or some will rise in eternal condemnation. And so I plead with you today, that the power of God would transform your heart and your life, and that you would see that you are a slave to sin, and that you need to be saved from the wrath and the condemnation of God and the judgment of God that your sin brings. And that's exactly why Jesus Christ has come. He has come to be your substitute. He has come to stand in your place. He has come to absorb the very wrath that you and I deserve. But Judgment Day and Judgment is a very real thing, and hell is a very real thing. And, and, and sometimes we don't talk about it enough. But is it a very real thing that I plead with you that you would um, cry out to, to the Lord Jesus Christ to be your substitute Lord and Savior even now? For those who, of you here who are trusting in Jesus, think about what Jesus says here. I've come not to be served, but to serve. Your relationship with God That Christ has come, and he has come, and he has purchased you with his blood. Therefore, you are no longer your own. You have been bought with a price. That means you you were created to worship, and now you've been purchased by his blood to worship. And to devote your life to him. And to give your whole life to him. Listen again what the scriptures say. Says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Therefore, the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave Himself for me. Second Corinthians five fifteen says that He died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but to live for Him who gave up Himself for me. See, sin is all about living for yourself. And, and, and it's easy for me as one of your pastors to to just to to forget or to not even submit and realize that I'm not my own, that I've been bought with a price and, and I want to live which is crazy that we want to go back into slavery to sin in those moments when we're when we're t- tempted enticed with sin that, that, that we want to forget, that, that, that we are no longer owned and we want to give in to that old man and that old sin. And that slave, we want to re-enslave ourselves. It's only by the grace of God that we would um, be, have the strength to resist temptation. When we fail, when we fall, and we often do, thank the Lord for his forgiveness and his love. And so, you are not your own. Jesus is not just Savior, but he is Lord and he's called you to live holy lives. For his glory and not your own. The thing about your relationship with neighbor, one of our, um, our confessions that we looked at today. What's it look like to, to not be your own and to uh, serve and not be served as you think about your relationship with neighbor? Here's a few questions to help you think through that. Are you willing to change that, that dirty diaper? Are you willing to clean up your room without complaining? Are you willing to do the dishes? Are you willing to not get that last word even when you know you are right? Are you willing to give up that last piece of pizza? Are you willing to sacrifice a want to help someone who is impoverished? Are you willing to repay evil with good? Are you willing not to burst out in sinful anger because you love the person more than you love your own comfort? Are you willing to let love cover a multitude of sins? Are you willing to forgive someone who has hurt you deeply? Are you willing to forgive someone who has hurt you deeply? Let me read one more quote. There's nothing easy about real forgiveness. When you want to harbor vengeful thoughts, when you want so much to carry out vengeful actions, but you refuse them in an effort to forgive, it hurts. When you refrain, when you forgive, it's agony. Why? Instead of making the other person suffer, you're absorbing the cost yourself. You aren't trying to get your reputation back by tearing their reputation down. You are forgiving them, and it is costing you, and that's what forgiveness is. True forgiveness always entails suffering. I mean, think about it. True forgiveness is like a death. That you're willing to die, that you're willing to lay down your comfort, that you're willing to lay down your desire to get back and to hurt that person, that you're willing to absorb the cost and the pain of what that person's done for you, to love them that much. That's the gospel, right? That's what Jesus has done for us. He came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, that he absorbed the very wrath of God because that's what our sin deserved. Because we are slaves to sin and it's only Jesus Christ who can ransom us. And he did it by his own blood, by absorbing that very wrath of God, and he died literally physically, spiritually separated from God on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Absorbing all of the wrath of God on your behalf so that you could be set free. So that you could be a slave to righteousness and no longer sin. And so that you can love your neighbor who has deeply hurt you. So that you can give up those things which you love so much to serve others. None of us can do that on our own. That is why we need Jesus. That's why we need the grace of God. And that's the beauty of the gospel that Jesus freely gives us his grace not because of what we have done, but because of his love for us. This is amazing love. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we thank you so much that you have oh, so selflessly laid down your life. You laid down your life, and your, your arm wasn't twisted. You weren't coerced. You joyfully, for the joy that was set before you, you endured the cross and that joy is your church It's the many it's all nations every tribe tongue and nation that will one day surround your throne lord we're humbled we're humbled because so many of us here who know you know how selfish we are you know how much we love to serve ourselves you know how much we love to have our own way you know how much we love to get that final word. You know how much we love to uh, repay evil with evil, not repay evil with good. And Jesus, in the midst of our of of our sin, and even as 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 believers who are now slaves of righteousness, as we struggle with our sin, Lord, we are humbled because we are reminded every moment that we need a redeemer. We need one who who, who is our substitute, who who has absorbed the wrath that we deserve. We thank you for the gospel. Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you would move within the hearts of your people, that you would move within the hearts of rebels right now, those who have not yet called upon the name of the Lord. It's only by the power of your spirit can hearts be transformed, can... Can, can, can ears be opened and eyes be opened to see their need for a Savior? Lord Jesus, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Father, we just love you so much. Lord, would you let the grace and the love and the forgiveness and the freedom and the ransom that you have given us, would you allow that to be our great motivation that we would be so compelled and constrained by your love for us that we would no longer live for ourselves but live for you, that we would live lives of worship, that we would live lives to glorify you. That is our prayer. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I'd like to invite our prayer team to come forward. If you you want to be prayed for, Maybe, maybe you're here and you say, that's me, Brian. I don't know, Jesus. I don't understand this idea of sin. I don't understand what it means to be under the condemnation of God because of my sin. I don't understand how, how Jesus can be that substitute or why I need a substitute. Come forward. Come, come talk to us. I'll stand up here and I want to talk to you about that. Let today be the day of your salvation. But if you're here and you, you say, I am a sinner, I'm struggling, and I'm tired, and I just need prayer come forward. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. We want God's grace and strength to be upon you now. Amen.